0: Hey guys, I'm Danielle.
1: And I'm Joe.
0: Welcome to If If Walls
1: Walls Could Talk. Talk. We're the owners of Style & Structure.
0: We build and renovate custom homes.
1: We're going to talk about everything from purchasing a lot
0: to building your dream home.
1: There's a lot that goes on behind the build.
0: And we are going to talk about all of it with guest speakers, experts in the field, designers, and real homeowners.
1: And oh man, If Walls Could Talk.
0: Thanks for joining us with another episode of If Walls Could Talk. I'm Danielle.
1: And I'm Joe. And we've taken you through quite a bit of the build so far. Last week we had uh, Alana from Ferguson talking about plumbing fixtures. Um, And today we have David from Creative Lighting to talk about lighting fixtures. Happy to be
2: here. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, we're excited to talk about this because, like, right now we're at all the finishing touches of a home, Mm. which a lot of homeowners like when you walk through a model home, this is the stuff that you see. So we talk, Mm -hmm. we always call it kind of the jewelry of the home. Yeah. And lighting fixtures are so important. Mm -hmm. And I never realized how much actually goes into selecting your lighting Mm. and just kind of understanding the layout, the ambiance, even down to the type of light bulb that you should use. Yeah. And when I met you, you actually opened my eyes to all that. We had our first client meeting with you and it was... How long of an appointment are they usually for?
2: Three hours for like kind of an average big house. But that was a really big house.
0: It was. (laughs) But I thought we were going to be in there for maybe an hour. And I was like, oh gosh, there's a lot to this. Mm. So yeah. You uh... You just
1: kind of get ramped up after an hour. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Just getting started.
1: What I love about that is there's there's so much that does go into those selections. yeah, And it's actually pretty early on in the process. Mm. So by the time they're actually installed in the house, Mm -hmm. the homeowners are like, Excited again. I almost forgot how right. great that light fixture is looking. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's super fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: I feel like people really bond with their house in the process of the lighting because they're sort of like picking the installed art for the house. And it right. it is very personal. And so it's fun to see that connection come out in it this is. way.
0: Yeah. It is. But it's fun, too, when they work with you because you're passionate about what you do, you help them understand how personal it is. Mm. So it's just such a great process. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for Creative Lighting and kind of how long you've been with them?
2: Yeah, I am the sales manager at Creative Lighting. I've been with them for eight years. It's been a great place to learn and grow. And I still you know, primarily do um, sales like this and home selections, and then I do the the display work there as well. So yeah. that's kind of get the vibe going over there. These offices are here, beautiful here, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes, at
0: the uh, style and structure offices in Amazing. Stillwater. Yes. Come on down. <laughs> Come on down. So you started at Creative Lighting. Were you... Did you work for a lighting company prior to that?
2: Yeah, I had a year of lighting under my belt. And prior to that, I just worked as an independent designer while I was in the corporate world. And before that, I was an art student. And that's kind of actually kind of been fun to see how my art degree has come into use so much. Yeah. You know, in this line of work, I see... The lighting as individual sculptures, you know, they have a feel and a vibe and a weight and an influence and all of that. So it, yeah. it marries very well with lighting for me.
0: I love that. Joe yeah. and I actually always go to speak at schools um, for whether it's career day or talking to students about different career paths in the building industry. Mm. I bet if you were to go to college and talk to any art student, they probably wouldn't say, I'm going to work for no. a lighting studio. <laughs> but it is. It's so much talent and an artistic flair mm-hmm. in your role yeah. and it's really important to people's frankly their biggest purchase of their life is their home mm-hmm. and they see it every day and they're living in it so it's just it's such a fun job
2: yeah and the average per- american only gets to pick out lighting once in their life if they're lucky mm-hmm. you know so it's
0: a it's a big fun
2: opportunity not everybody ever gets the chance so
0: so you don't see many repeat customers
2: there are a few people that like are a little obsessed or keep building new homes or things right, like that. Right, right. Yep,
0: yep. We know a few of those. Yeah. We love them. Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your process? Like what can customers expect when they're going through selections? So I think it's important to note, like most people going through the building process mm-hmm. work with their Builders at their selection studio to kind of pick out all their finishes. Mm-hmm. And we do that here at Style & Structure. But mm-hmm. there's a few categories on the build that we actually prefer our customers go to our vendors and select it there, just yeah. because there's options. You'd like to see it in person. Mm-hmm. And you're the expert. So what can our customers expect when they come to Creative Lighting and go through that selection process? Mm
2: -hmm. Well you're absolutely right that the showroom is definitely the place to come, the Creative Lighting Showroom or really any lighting showroom. But that's when the reality hits and you can look and feel and touch and get a sense of scale and fit and finish. Um, And also you can kind of, at least in our showroom, we're kind of set up by design category, and it kind of flows from one vignette to the next, and people maybe gravitate to one area or another. Um, When it comes to the process, when people come in, let's say we're talking about a new build, the first thing is we sit down with the blueprints, and we just kind of walk our way through the house, um, highlighting what are going to be like your lead singers, as we call them, like your dining room piece or your foyer piece, and then after that thinking about those pieces that follow. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are two ways to approach it. Um, You can either start with your more simple selections and kind of in that process gain some lighting literacy, you know, um, what's bright, what's not, what colors you like, what general style you like, and you can kind of warm up by making some simple decisions like hallways or secondary bedrooms and things like that and then work your way up to those lead singers and by that time you've got some know-how under your belt. Mm -hmm. Conversely you could start with that lead singer. I think anybody building a house typically has an idea of a chandelier that they loved somewhere so that's a great place to start. I always welcome any imagery that you can bring in it's wonderful to have um, photos of your furniture, something from your Pinterest board, um, a color you know representation design board for your house that's maybe already developed. Really, anything that's inspiring this process. You know, I just kind of take that, synthesize it, and translate it into the process.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. Like we always have customers bring in inspiration images, mm-hmm. but then throughout that process, we're creating mood boards. Mm -hmm. So that when they go meet with our trade partners, you know, then Mm -hmm. you kind of know what the rest of the house looks like. And you can, you know, again, we always say that Mm -hmm. you don't need to be matchy-matchy with Mm -hmm. everything. But then you have an idea of what those plumbing fixtures look like and Mm -hmm. the tile selections and all of that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just important because you want it to all coordinate and go together.
2: And what's actually interesting is that no matter how much research or inspiration people bring into the store what they end up selecting is often quite different people are always saying boy I never expected to do this and that's because of the process so it's one of those things you got to trust the process
0: I love that are they like picking things that are they just didn't know those options were out there yes that's a big
2: part of it okay it's like you can have a preconceived notion of lighting but where do you interact with lighting in the general world you know so what Um, what we offer is cutting edge and all these different designs and possibilities and also people just kind of, you know, know what they know and they don't know what they don't know and what's possible. And I think you can also get really exciting once you understand the difference it's going to make and the impact and how it's kind of really like the main focus of a house. And it really says what kind of house you have.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I like
1: the way you uh, kind of explained it before about the lead singer, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, Everybody has a budget, right? Mm -hmm. If they have X amount of dollars to go in light fixtures, where do they start? With the least expensive and then work up to Mm -hmm. I can, you know, blow my budget on the foyer or the dining room.
2: I think if you are really budget conscious, I think it's best to start with the cheapest things because you're learning to dig deep. I say to people like, Hey, this is an opportunity to save fifty bucks. You're like, listen to me. Like and if you pass it, your budget's just gonna keep growing and growing. But I like to offer those inexpensive options early on, and in the process people are learning just how much this actually costs. And once you got the base things and you really worked through and you see that you made some compromises, you you know chose the practical things in those areas and you see how much is left, the truth is most people, End up increasing the budget because they realize the value. You know, I see people come in and they're worried about spending $100 on a couple of pendants. And I can just ask, though, like, how much was that slab of granite for the island? I mean,
0: <laughs> so true. Thousands
2: of dollars sometimes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So why finish it off with something less than amazing?
1: And I think just the explanation on, you know, what makes a good light fixture is so important mm-hmm. because we get people all the time saying, well, I could go down to the box store and I could get something that looks almost just like this for half the price. Mm-hmm. How do you go about explaining, like, yeah. why the cost increase or what mm-hmm. What are the differences? I know there's a bunch of differences. Yeah. But,
2: um, well, when I first started in lighting, I couldn't tell the difference. When I was just a consumer, I went to the box stores and thought, okay, well, this is great. Well, I mean, what's the difference? And I stumbled into some showrooms and I was... I had sticker shock. You know, it was like how and why. Um, But when you're building a house, you're learning about the quality of your materials and how long they're going to last and how long they're going to be relevant. Um, But yeah, let's get into it. Like, What's the difference between a big box store? Um, Generally speaking, big box stores are full of value engineered lighting that's been ripped off from mid-level lighting that was ripped off from designer-level lighting. So by the time it hits the store, the big-box store, I mean, those looks have been out for 10 years. You know, Meanwhile, the people that purchase from designers or kind of upper-mid-level companies generally that are more design-forward, they enjoyed, enjoyed 10 years of relevant design. By the time it hits one of those stores, those big-box stores, the value is really gone. And the big difference, ultimately, though, because people say, well, I like old styles. It doesn't bother me. The truth is the fit and the finish isn't there either. They are inspired by quality pieces, and they start with a price, and they engineer it until they hit that price.
1: We hear it from the installers all the yeah. time. Yeah. somebody buys a cheap fixture, they're trying to put it together, and you're right. It just doesn't mm-hmm. go together very well. It mm-hmm. just It's not... Yeah, perfect.
2: Well, and just sit in one of those stores and look around for more than a minute because they, they, you pass the drive by test. Oh, that looks really pretty. Zoom in by. Now hang out in there for five minutes. Really look at it. Yeah. Things just look cheap. We don't want your lighting to look cheap. It can look cheap. I definitely use inexpensive pieces to strategize on a budget in fact that's crucial and that's something i've done in every build from small up to giant mansions you know everybody has a component of of that in the process
1: Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. is there a typical lifespan of a light fixture
2: that's such an interesting question i think the average person expects lighting to last for ten thousand years you know (laughs) (laughs) they think okay this is going to just be around forever um when you think about styles and how often they change i think A piece is only relevant for ten to twenty years. I don't really see anything out there that has current relevancy that's over twenty years old, until unless you're getting into like antique pieces or custom pieces or something like that. So that value runs out. Um, It's interesting that um, a lot of pieces now have integrated LED and they have like fifty thousand hours of lifespan. Um, And they think, well, that seems kind of limiting. But the terminology is that. Um, that LED should last a lifetime, which is 20 to 30 years at most. So I think you kind of have to think that you're going to replace lighting. It's also interesting here in the Midwest, we look at replacing lighting every 30 or 40 years. On the Eastern and West Coast, much smaller timelines. They might overall haul a house every 5 to 10 years, and that's pretty normal.
0: Well, and I think for us, you know, we do new construction builds, mm-hmm. but we also do remodels, and trying to keep within budget on spaces. Some people just maybe they're doing a whole new kitchen, but in other rooms they just want a quick refresh in yeah. a bedroom. So, a little bit of paint, new carpet and a lighting fixture can really change that space. Yeah. And people don't think about it because it's just, you know, once you're moved in, you're like just not even thinking about their light fixture or even the thought of of switching it out. But I just remodeled my daughter's bedroom. Mm-hmm and we switched out everything you know is furniture just a little new paint some curtains but the lighting fixture made the biggest difference Mm -hmm. it felt like a whole new room she's obsessed with it so Mm -hmm. i think that's something people need to consider Mm -hmm. and just get excited yeah. yeah get excited about your house again like switch it up update it make it your style so there's a lot of good stuff out there
2: once lighting feels tired it just feels tired it brings the whole room down yeah And something fresh can lift it up. And you're right. It doesn't have to be expensive or fancy. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, also, I think one thing I really learned from you is light bulbs. Mm. I did not understand just how many options there were out there and, and what you have to do kind of per room. You know, how much sunlight do you get in that room and and what are you using that space for? So tell us a little bit about that process and what you go through with customers when you're talking through light bulbs.
2: Yeah, well, my philosophy has developed over time. So maybe I have some updates since we last went over light bulbs. But it all comes back to personal preference. I mean, you can know all of this stuff and I can have some suggestions. Um, But it's it's kind of funny. People want to come in and be told what's the correct solution for color temperature and brightness. They want to be correct, but truly everybody is different, and this is an opportunity to customize your home. Some people like a daylight light bulb. I can't imagine having four or 5,000 Kelvins, which is like fluorescent hospital level, but that's all some people want. On the other end, some people want um, maybe 1,800 K, which is pretty amber. Um, for reference, a incandescent light bulb that we're all used to, was 2,700 Kelvins. So that's kind of a a standard to jump off from. That's kind of in the middle.
0: That was the debate in our office. When we were doing our office build-out, we had tried like every Mm -hmm. other, like every lumen out there, but 2,700 is where we landed. Mm -hmm. It was just, for me, it was like more pleasing to the eye. It still Mm -hmm. felt bright Mm -hmm. where it's not like mood lighting. Mm -hmm. You know, we're working here. We want it to be kind of warm and bright it was good for pictures all of that so
2: and I think that's kind of the best way to go for certainly at least accent lighting Um, you can't really go wrong with the 2700 K I have learned I used to think you can't really mix color temperatures in the same room but I've learned that um, it can be nice to have recessed lighting at 3000 K to kind of give this crisp brightness to the space and then warmer 27 K Um, in your lamps and maybe decorative hanging fixtures. Um, People might be a little overwhelmed by this terminology on the Kelvin scale, but it's always going to be listed on any box, any light bulb that you buy. Um, So for reference, just remember 2700 Kelvin and your next trip down the aisle at the light bulb store will be less confusing.
0: Or you're like my husband who changed out all of our light bulbs to Hue lights Mm. because he wanted to... (laughs) control it from his phone and you have like 2000 cha- colors to do I almost died. He can change <laughs> colors. The way he showed me that he installed all this as I came home, he's our family's obsessed with the Broncos football team, mm. and I came home. My whole house was blue and orange. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. I could see it from outside. All my neighbors could therefore see it outside. I'm like, I'm going to die. And now, as a joke, cause he knows how much I hate it, oh, he'll do every holiday. Like St. Patrick's Day, our house is green. I love Valentine's it. Valentine's Day, red and pink. I'm like, I'm going
2: to die. <laughs> just give me an old 2700 Kelvin and Please, I'll be Please, I come just... Come on, just take
0: me back. <laughs> yeah, I never thought That's I'd say I'm traditional, though. but... I guess I am to him.
2: (laughs) All this color-changing light bulb stuff has been interesting to see develop in the industry. I feel like it's still kind of a fringe thing for people who are a little bit more techie. But Mm -hmm. like you said, you can transform your whole house and put it on a theme with the push of a button. So it can be pretty incredible.
0: Well, we just saw these light bulbs that actually change with the sun. Mm, So those are kind of interesting, too, because they were talking about how, you know, if it's it's nighttime and the sun's setting, Mm -hmm. you know, your light bulb... You know, warmth is going to be different than midday, mm-hmm. so I thought that was interesting. That's,
2: very, that's next level. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it is
2: definitely. But to that itself. point, you know, humans are more comfortable in the evening with the warmer light. We're just like, you know, that's how we're made.
0: <laughs> we like to settle down. Like Maybe a glass down. of red wine. Mm-hmm. It's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, and once you once you know that, you know it. Yeah, you know, I just. Go to a lot of baseball games, so you wonder. It's the middle of a bright, sunny day. Why do they have the lights on in the stadium, right?
2: That's a good question.
1: And (laughs) they have perfect lighting in the stadium, day or night. Wow! And it's amazing at you know three thirty in the afternoon, bright and sunny. Games over, they turn the lights off. It changes everything. Mm. There's there's shadows in places that there weren't before, Mm. and yeah, it's just it's really amazing. Yeah.
0: Mm. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So you know. light bulbs have changed, but just general layouts have changed so much too. Back 30 years ago when I got into the industry, it was pretty much one light switch and one light per room. That's your standard, that's what you get. Maybe, you know, put a fan in the bedroom or, um, at what point during the build do you like to get involved and really start this whole lighting layout?
2: Yeah, I mean, I like to be involved as early as possible, really once there's plans printed up and we can kind of make some adjustments. It's certainly nice to have the electrical marked out kind of as a starting point. But you're right, like in the past, maybe you just put a ceiling fan in a bedroom. Well, now like the preference would be to put in a ceiling fan without a light because it's a little more attractive and then add recessed lights and maybe you'd hang pendants over the, over the end tables and maybe you'd add reading lights above the headboard and, you know, so it just keeps kind of building. But that brings me to like one of the most important things about lighting, which is layers. There's no one light fixture that's going to make a room or space feel incredible. Like it'll add to it, sure. But lighting gets really good when you add layers and layers. What does that mean? It means recess. It means decorative hanging things. It means lamps. It means indirect LED lighting. It means lighting on shelves. As many layers as, and points of light that you can add, the
0: better. It means your lead singer needs backup singers. <laughs> oh, <good laughs> reference. <laughs> I totally agree. It's like when I walk into a room and you have sconces on the wall, um, you also have the recessed lighting that's dimmable. Cause I often think that recessed lighting's a little too intense for a home um, and a chandelier. Mm-hmm. But again, when you're with a client and you're planning all this out, I think a lot of times they think, gosh, that's too much. I don't need that. All yeah. I tr- I'm sitting in a room. All I turn on is my lamp. Yeah. Like, why do I need this much? So mm-hmm. that's, again, I think another reason to go to your showroom because mm-hmm. you guys are able to play around with all of those lighting settings and just really see a lot mm-hmm. of options yeah. and help customers really understand that.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'll bring out, again, the point that we can work with any budget. I mean, I'm not afraid of a budget at all. I mean, you give it to me and we'll see what we can do and we'll look at it realistically and... We might be able to land there. Might not be everything you want it to be, but right. we can get there.
0: Yeah. I think that's important, too, because I think people should focus on some exciting pieces in areas that they're going to use more often. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times we'll see, you know, the dining room, the great room, maybe the pendant lights over the island, maybe focusing more on the master bedroom and bathroom. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, not that they have to be kind of an afterthought. They still can be cute, mm-hmm. but maybe not spending so much money on, like, the kids' bedrooms yeah. or the laundry room, things mm-hmm. like that.
2: Well, that brings up kind of a thought that I have in general. Um, and it, it develops when you make all these selections, you line them all up, and you look at this, basically, this design board. You think about how it works as a unit and some of these smaller insignificant pieces can gain significance when they're part of the whole and they kind of make everything flow together there can be value added by doing it that way Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so do you ever feel when you get these plans from builders do you ever feel like if there's an electrical layout that the builders included enough
2: oh enough um electrical or enough budget or
0: just budget or maybe if they already have the lighting layout like per room, do you always is it often that you look at that and feel like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna be adding to this.
2: Yeah, I mean I always see places to add, you Mm -hmm. know. Um I do think in general builders start with pretty much the minimum. Right. You know? And um the minimum just isn't quite enough really, not to be not to feel great about your lighting. Right. But it's a great place to start and again, if you need to stay there, we'll just strategize those pieces.
0: Right. So do you have a rule of thumb of like whether it's the size of house mm-hmm. or you know percentage of their total of mm-hmm. kind of what a builder should be accounting for for a lighting budget?
2: About half a percent should treat you pretty well. If you want to kind of really prioritize your lighting, maybe closer to 1%. Um, I don't see a lot of people spending more than 1%, so I feel like you can be pretty well decked out for in that range. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's but no, every builder, literally every single one, does not give enough allowance to create the lighting that the house deserves. So it is just a minimum.
0: Yeah, I feel like we have bumped up our appliance, plumbing, and lighting allowance every year. Mm-hmm. Cause I hate my biggest pet peeve is seeing a customer go through the pricing on the front end mm-hmm. and trying to be really transparent and realistic about their budget mm-hmm. and then having them go into the selection process mm-hmm. and upgrading a bunch of things because they can't find something that they like. Sure. So that's really been our philosophy is like making sure you feel like there's at least a healthy budget mm-hmm. to get what you want. Now if you're gonna splurge on a yeah. dining room chandelier. I'm probably not going to include that in your base Mm -hmm. price, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to make sure it's realistic. So I think it's, it's good to know. I mean, having that kind of rule of thumb, maybe we'll, maybe we'll be looking at our lighting budget here, Joe, for our base price. Yes.
2: (laughs) But to your point, someone can either select something for $300 and call it good or fall in love with something that is a thousand dollars and you can't exactly predict that it is like a personal relationship that they develop with the piece they fall in love with what they fall in love with you know
0: and every customer it's so true every customer is so different Mm -hmm. and we have you know a really in-depth design process on the front end just to learn about our customers and what they like and really it's just kind of a give and take game when it comes to a build of like where they want to spend their budget, what's the most important to them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, we've had customers, you know, come below our budget and we've had customers above, but our goal is always to, you know, if we know their style and their taste, we'll probably add a little bit in certain categories, um, just knowing that, so.
2: Something else that we um, can utilize is the use of LED disc lights. they have kind of a new invention of the last 10 years. And what I'm talking about is a little light fixture that basically looks like a recessed light on your ceiling. Anybody walking into the room would say, oh, that's a recessed light, where in fact it's just a little pancake. The whole light is just about an inch thick. They're very inexpensive. They're stronger than recessed lights. In fact, one can light an entire 10 by 10 bedroom. So knowing this, you can potentially like put these disc lights in your spare bedrooms, in your unfinished basement or partially finished basement and come back to them when your budget increases years down the line. Meanwhile, it'll just look neutral. It won't look cheap. It won't look bad. It just looks neutral and it's a light and you save a little bit of money on the front end that you can, you know, invest later on when you're
1: ready again. So there's, you know, the building industry is changing faster now than it ever has and bringing up those LED disc lights is a great example of energy efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we started with incandescent bulbs and then we switched to fluorescents and LEDs. Do you see anything on the horizon that's going to just keep this moving in that direction? Um, I think we're kind of at kind of a reasonable
2: plateau as far as energy, as far as bubbles that I see in the industry. But I think it's very interesting to know that integrated LED fixtures use like it's like 50 percent less energy than even a screw in LED light bulb. There's less energy loss. And it's part of why all the fixtures or so many of the fixtures are moving that way in the industry. There is that extra savings. Um, It's going to last the life of your fixture. Um, You're never having to change light bulbs. I'm not investing that time. There's no packaging of those light bulbs in the process. So, I mean, I think that's pretty stellar. And I think we're just going to see more of that integrated technology. And it's going to be difficult for consumers to get used to because they see it as an expiration on those fixtures, an expiration date. that's just kind of the world we're living in and so many cool pieces are have that technology and so many cool pieces are possible because of that technology Mm -hmm. these integrated diodes can be lined up anywhere in any size to create really spectacular designs that weren't possible 10 years ago
0: it's so nice though like my house has the can lights and we have i forget the ceiling height in our great room it's about 13 feet or so it's impossible to change a light bulb, and now with these LEDs, you don't have to. And then people do get concerned. Yeah. Oh well, it only lasts thirty years. And it's like when the light kay. burns
1: out, the fixture shot. Yeah, I mean, you're that's, like, that's well, how long are
0: you it? one actually in your home? And if you are there thirty years, typically there's going to be new technology updates and just kind of refresh the look. And to your point, it's not that expensive of a, a fix. So
2: major Major savings
0: yeah so are you seeing any fun trends right now going on in the lighting industry
2: Um, lots Um, to jump back to light bulbs for a moment um, we're seeing this new technology called warm dim or comfort dim and what that does, it starts at a higher color temperature, maybe 3,200 Kelvins, a really crisp white. And as you dim it, it does what incandescent light bulbs always did. They get a little warmer. So they end up being about 1,800 or 2,000 Kelvins, really warm and cozy. So that can be something that really bridges the gap between someone wanting that crisp light when they want it and a cozy light when they want to enjoy that. So I'm so loving that.
0: Instead of this the or typical that. dim, which is like... Just less light. Mm-hmm. It's changing the temperature.
2: Yeah, like a three thousand Kelvin that we've all been talking about—that crisp white. When you dim it down to nothing, it feels just kind of dingy. It's uh-huh. not actually super pleasant. So this new warm dim technology, which is in light bulbs and now in recessed products as well, um, really creates a more natural feel.
0: Okay. Yeah. I love so that. That's
2: one big trend, and we touched on just the trend that's growing as far as new designs possible. Um, In my opinion, we're just in this giant bubble called transitional right now. Who knows kind of when this giant bubble that kind of sucks in almost everything is going (laughs) to burst. I think it's going to be a long time. I think we're kind of in an era where people get to do what they want. And um, most everything has multiple references. So it's not such a hard in and hard out. People ask about gold and brass finishes. They get a little afraid of them because they think, oh, well, that'll go out of style right away. I don't think they're gonna go out of style again for decades, personally. Neither. They were kind of got banished because of what happened to them in the nineties, all that <laughs> polished brass. And it was on your knobs and it was on your ceiling fan, it was on your faucet, it was everywhere, we it's got sick of
0: everywhere. it. Everywhere. Yeah. But now it's
2: back. Historically in the world's history, it's the most popular finish that ever was, most desired. So it's back in so many forms now.
0: Yeah. I always say that about trends because people are really scared to jump on a trend that's gonna go away. And usually what we say to our homeowners is one, if it's an older trend that has come back, mm-hmm. it means, you know, it it was a great timeless trend and most likely has come back in a better way. I mean, you see that with tile, with paint colors, with cabinets. I mean Every category has had trends or inspiration from previous eras. And now I feel like done so much better. But my favorite thing is mixing and matching. Because before, you know, there was certainly eras where everything had to match, like you mentioned. That was the look. It was the look. Mm-hmm. And now you can, you. I still love when everything flows nicely together. But you can do what you want. And if you want to switch it up in a room mm-hmm. or you want to have that golden black somewhere, mm-hmm. you can do that. Yeah. And I love that.
2: That's, what, that's how basically I answer when people ask me, like, what's the hottest trend? And it is just that. It's what you like. It's The trend is personalizing your space. Mm-hmm. It's not about mm-hmm. mimicking something else exactly. It's about um, how you have created a unique personal space that feels personal, that feels alive.
0: It's because when people are excited about something, you almost get sold on their excitement. Mm-hmm. And when it's personal to them, when it's something that they love, you know, I remember... Um, when my parents were doing a remodel in their home and they did you know, a kitchen and next door in their dining room, they did a wet bar mm-hmm. and people would come in and always say, why would you put two sinks so close to each other? And like, mm-hmm. I mean, it actually frustrated people to see that. Mm-hmm. And it was, but my mom used it all the time. That was her her drink bar. She mm-hmm. only washed wine glasses over there. She loved it and used it. And then kitchen was for everything else. And I'm like, why does it matter? You know, if that's if it's your home, mm-hmm. how you use it makes it feel like home, it makes yeah. you feel comfortable. And that's what we are always trying to push with people. It's like, don't try to copy this model home that you've gone through. That should be strictly inspiration. Mm-hmm. But trying to learn about these homeowners and make their home as unique as they are is, mm-hmm. is the fun part of our job.
2: Yeah, I like to create what I call is a safe space. At yes. the showroom. Yes. You know, um, where we've got a group of selections and possibilities that we've worked on together. I like to tell people there's no trick questions here. They're all good. This is a safe space. Um,
1: so of all the projects you've ever done, what's been your favorite?
2: Mm, there have been so many fun ones. Let's see. What is... Let's think. Okay. Yeah, there's this one that I did a little while ago. Um, It's won a few awards overall for like the builder and everything. The lighting is part of that. Um, It was one of the biggest projects I had ever done. Um, Certainly challenging when they're such large scale, how how to land in the right place. I was just thinking about it the other day. It's like, how do you know it's going to be right? I mean, this thing is just being designed from the ground up, and that's really where you have to de- rely on the process. You know, um, I don't know the end result at the beginning. We have to go through the process, and um, that's when a good lighting designer is really important. You know, if you're not clicking with someone, go to somebody else. Click with them. Mm-hmm. Also jump, jumping back for a moment to trends people are like I don't want to be on this trend or that trend But I think everything's a trend like everything ever that ever was was a trend mm-hmm. It's just the question for me is do you want to do a 1990 trend? Do you want to do a 2010 trend or do you want to do like a trend? That's kind of up and coming so it has some legs on it and can really get some value out of the freshness of that up front
0: for sure Yeah, I think for us our some of our favorite projects have been customers that have a direction we love when customers really understand what they want and can help us guide them through because you get the customers are like well whatever you think and you're like okay i'm designing this and i don't know if you like it if you don't you're just kind of saying yes to everything Mm -hmm. and then on the flip side you have people who know what they want and you're really an order taker. So I love the in-between. I love a customer who has an idea what they want, but they're really open to suggestions. And it's a collaboration as you go through that design experience.
2: Yes. Collaboration is what makes this really fun. I feel like I know the people at the end of the process. <laughs>
0: yes. I know. Once the process is done, you're like, are we friends are we anymore? Friends yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like We've hung out so much.
1: And I think that is by far my favorite part is just seeing people's reaction at the end the pride the you know they went through the process this is their dream right yeah. and even if it's something I don't particularly care for mm-hmm. seeing them so happy is just it's just amazing mm-hmm. it's fun to see
2: them become experts too you yeah. know and being you begin a process like this you don't know how could you know but by the end you know you could teach somebody else.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to us as a builders. Is, is, I mean, that's why we do this podcast and we're coming out with a book to help people go through the build process. We want these homeowners to feel like experts because to me, the worst thing is having surprises as you go along the process. You want to know what you're getting into. You want to feel excited. What can seem like an overwhelming, stressful process. And it is. It it is, but if you feel equipped and knowledgeable, it makes it so much more fun. So take it step by step. Take it step by step. Yeah. So well, I think our customers have just a blast with you. They learn so much about the importance of lighting, the quality, and we really appreciate you as a trade partner. So, I thank you. Yeah, appreciate you coming in. Thank today. you so it's been much. Great. Yes, and I really hope for those who are listening in that you've learned a little bit more about lighting. Again, on our website, we have a lot of examples of our model homes that have some beautiful lighting fixtures from Creative Lighting. They also have a show floor, so you can go see David at the show floor and pick out a light, even if you're doing a remodel or a build. It's a fabulous experience. So, Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Yes. And thank you everyone for tuning in. I'm Danielle.
2: And
1: I'm Joe.
0: And that's another episode of If If Walls Walls Could Talk. Talk.